This is the Rhino for Mets Weekly, and you're listening to the official Mets Weekly podcast, hosted by four Mets fans who are brutally honest and don't hold anything back. Be sure to head over to our YouTube channel, follow us on TikTok for exclusive content on each platform. So with all that being said, let's go Mets and enjoy the show. We are officially back from a much-needed break from Mets baseball as the season has officially winded down, but now the offseason has officially begun for the orange and blue, and the chaos spared us absolutely no time. The drama is back, the anticipation is numerous, and it's officially a new era for the New York Mets. I bet you never heard that before. Episode 28 of the Mets Weekly Podcast, 60 Minutes of Brutal Honesty, begins right now. For those of you watching on Premiere right now, watching on replay, listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any of your other listening platforms, make sure to subscribe to the Mets Weekly channel to never miss any content throughout the week. Turn on post notifications to never miss the premiere of the Mets Weekly podcast every Monday night, including pop-up live streams for any breaking news all off-season long. Follow us on Twitter, TikTok, all three of us individually. The links are in the YouTube description. So the season is done done we did a live stream doing our player grades live for those of you who tuned in for those of you who missed that make sure to watch the replay if you haven't already but now it's time to get into the off-season stuff and it looks like uh the craziness has already started yeah i mean it's the same old thing it could it could be different owner different everything hell they could change the name at this point and you're still gonna find bullshit am i getting sick of it of course it could, again it could be worse you could be chair for a boring organization the thing that really stinks is that they can't avoid the drama it just always seems that drama is always lurking when it comes to the mets uh, whether it's the gm whether it's what's happening in free agency with the manager like it just feels like there's always something and we were hoping that um you know that was gone uh, what once the Wilpons were gone, but they still have not been successful. And I don't put that all on, I don't put that on Steve Cohen, but it just seems like there's always extra stories that seem to come out all the time. And it's just very frustrating because it seems like it's always the Mets. Like year after year, what other organization in baseball continuously has this different drama going on all the time? And a lot of times it's not even with the players. So it's just very frustrating. I mean, what other organization has gone through GM after GM after GM, all for a ridiculous reason that had to lose their job just consecutively? It doesn't happen, but only with the Mets. It's just very annoying. I mean, okay, content, yes, but eventually it's just so tired when you're <laughs> constantly talking about a new GM search for non-baseball things. Not that Epler did a good job, but still, all these GMs that lose their job for non-baseball things is crazy crazy how they're on a streak right now yeah i'm gonna actually use that as just a direct segue to the first segment because i just want to get into it so we're starting at level 100 with the top story as for those of you who don't know billy epler surprisingly resigned as the mets general manager on thursday afternoon with the anticipation that he would stay in the mets organization under the newly hired president of baseball operations david stearns epler stated that he wanted david to have a clean slate 
and that meant him stepping down. In the wake and speculation, media began to rise about the possible layers to Epler's abrupt exit. They deemed to be very correct. As hours later, reports came out that the now former Mets general manager was now under investigation by the MLB due to the team's alleged misuse of the injured list, also referred to as the Phantom IL, where players are placed on the injured list in a loophole to not use minor league options, and you keep that said player on the 40-man roster. Although the league was reportedly tipped off by a source that remains anonymous, the Mets were informed by the MLB that owner Steve Cohen is not a target of the investigation. With Epler's resignation under Cohen's ownership, the Mets have now had four general managers in the span of three seasons, dating back to the forced firings of Jared Porter and Zach Scott, with the overseeing time span of Sandy Alderson, who led the job search that handed the reins to Epler in early 2022. If the Mets were going to get caught with something, at least get caught with something that Astros like that one year World Series that you're actually cheating. But I mean, if you're trying to manipulate the injury list, why? It's not like you have any good players that you're trying to save up for. I mean, it just seems like a waste of time, a waste of drama. Uh, and that's just kind of one of the wastes that we'll get to in one of our later topics. But it just seems that uh, how is it always them? That's what I don't get. I mean, you have like anonymous sources and things like that. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I we talk a lot about phantom injuries plenty of times, but uh, I didn't think there was anything that really benefited the Mets all that much that they were maneuvering with the injured list. Like, wow, oh, no, the fact that they're faking an injury with this guy is really helping them out. Like, I didn't see any of that. Uh, so that's the other part that really just doesn't make sense to me is just like, why? You know, that, that's the thing that I don't get is that it just seemed very foolish and it just seemed like it was unnecessary, uh, which is the other thing that just doesn't really make sense to me. I think the whole investigation itself is weird because, again, like this seems like something you would hear with other organizations as far as the way they're, you know, utilizing the injured list and trying to find loopholes and things like that. But of course, only the Mets are the ones that get made very public. Um, so the whole thing kind of uh, took me aback and I was like, what do you mean that misuse of the injured list? Because like I said, it's just the fact that there was nothing extremely notable to me during the season, which is why I'm like, why do, do they have to make this whole big investigation? And then what would the punishments be? I mean, if the Mets lose any draft you know, capital as far as picks or picks get pushed further back and things like that, that would really hurt because we're trying to build up the farm system. And, you know, I mean, Epler is just like a parting gift, I guess. I mean, just the gift that keeps on giving, but in a bad way, as if he, he gave them enough bad things. You know, here's one more uh, as a top. Yeah, I uh, I believe there's more to this. I think that he stepped down for something else because this Phantom IL thing, it's just you look at it like you just said, it was not really helping the Mets whatsoever. If this was in 2022 when they actually won a decent amount of games, yes, but... Obviously, this year they won 75 games. It didn't really help them whatsoever. So I don't really understand the big hassle of it. I understand the integrity of it. But at this point, there had to be something else there. And to be honest, I don't think um, that this wasn't obvious because I think that the clues were definitely there. Like putting Tomas Nito on the injured list for dry eye syndrome. Like, I feel like that was probably one of your first clues, one of your first tip-offs. Um, but again, it just wasn't really helping the Mets whatsoever. It wasn't giving them a competitive advantage. Because, um, you know, the guy they were going to replace, you know, Tomas Nito with, maybe that was, you know, that being Francisco Alvarez. But, like, I mean, 
Well, at one at one point, like it's a seventy-five win team. They didn't do anything with this to a competitive advantage. There has to be more to it. Andrew, do you think there's something else to it of why he left? Because this can't be it. Yeah, and, and especially with our history of GM, it's going to be something just outrageous that we're not going to see coming. He smuggled illegal aliens in, or he's he found he's the guy that found the alien. He's the actual found the aliens from outer space that he's hiding them, or some crazy shit. And you're laughing, but knowing this team. Wouldn't be surprised if he's actually an alien himself. It'll be something crazy again because his team just can't be. Oh, hire a normal GM. I'm a bad GM. I get fired. Okay, no. It's always, I'm a bad GM and I am a creep or I'm a drunk or I kill somebody. It just never can be something simple. If it's what this is, the main thing is a phantom IL. This is what, for a team that was in the mid, the middle of the pack of total injuries, the best I think were 16th I saw on total injuries. And this is the team... Getting it, where again, like a seventy-five win team didn't win anything. Again, prospect, you know, the pitching. Oh, like oh, you know, most people do it because of relievers and have that. Yeah, you know, Phantom Ielling for Sam Coonrod and Jeff Brigham, and yeah, like they were doing that. Wow, that's really manipulating the system. So many elite arms coming out of that pen. There has to be something else. If this is just kind of a witch hunt for stopping, and the MLB has kind of tried to crack down on Phantom IL that they don't want it anymore, and if the fact that the Mets have to be the team that suffers first, wouldn't it wouldn't be the first time the Mets have to be embarrassed and made fun of by set to make a point for the rest of the major leagues to stop it. So I wouldn't be surprised with that, but also I wouldn't be surprised again if there's some kind of alien bullshit under Billy Apple. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to make any conspiracy theories out there. I'm not upset that he's gone i mean i think we've already established that we're not big fans of him amongst the three of us it's coming from the fact that every single time when the mets do hire a gm or a manager it always just seems to be their eighth or ninth choice and from the get-go we're like okay this isn't the best guy for the job and we could see this going south immediately and it did go south he did give us get us to 101 wins didn't give us deep into a playoff run, and then this year was an absolute disaster. I'm not upset about Billy Epler out of here. I'm just really, really surprised and just kind of confused as to what went on because we obviously saw David Stearns in his press conference pretty much the day before he resigned say that, you know, I'm excited to work with Billy, and apparently there were some reports. I saw some stuff from Andy Martino where he was like, Epler and Stearns were already discussing uh, manager possibilities, and then all of a sudden, Epler on, you know, a Thursday afternoon just out of nowhere resigns. So it just was so weird to me as for the reasons that have been revealed so far, because we don't know if there's anything else on Epler. I think that the possibility of suspicion was definitely there. Like I, like I also said with, you know, the Tomas Nito dry eye syndrome, you know, there's also another thing that I can add here where let's not forget how much epler emphasized this optional reliever stuff maybe putting that out into the public was probably not something that they really shouldn't have done and you know it, it was if it was definitely emphasized of relievers that you know had options and they would flip-flop them in roster spots open and a few roster spots that can be interchangeable that obviously did not work for the team and it probably just should tell you that you should get maybe some of the best bullpen arms available in free agency instead of having guys with options and when you have absolutely no pitching development at the current at the current point so let's transition into the next piece that kind of just rewinds the timeline a little bit but before 
Epler's departure. The New York Post dropped a story on Wednesday regarding the former GM and the Mets' former manager, Buck Showalter. During the 2023 season, Epler and Showalter reportedly butted heads regarding the playing time of the infamous Daniel Vogelbach. As the 30-year-old lefty bat continued to struggle into the season, Showalter apparently was faced with a lot of resistance from Billy Epler when trying to employ other options other than Vogelbach at DH against right-handed pitching. With his limited mobility and lack of power production, it was assumed by many sources at the time that Vogelbach would be dealt at the trade deadline. But that obviously did not happen, and Buck reportedly started openly questioning why Vogelbach was still in Queens after the Mets' deadline sale. Not only was he still on the team, but a source indicated that he was told by Epler to keep him in the starting lineup. As we all know, before the Mets' last game of 2023, Showalter announced that he will not be returning for the 2024 season in the Mets organization. In his pregame presser, Showalter indicated that Epler gave him the option of stepping down or he would be fired nonetheless, acknowledging that the team is going in a different direction for the managerial position. This is literally the definition of most GMs, being and never admitting that they're wrong. The GM always is going to be, if they go out and make a trade, they're going to give those guys the opportunity first, because you know what? They gave up assets, you know, just depending on what it is. This guy gave up four assets for us. Now, I'm sorry. One cost-controllable middle reliever, you know, hard leverage arm, which, what, what do the Mets need right now? Oh, yeah, young, controllable, middle relieving, high leverage arms. They dump one of them for a fat job of the hut that can't move, can't hit, can't walk, can't, well, he barely can see. As Frank about Sports said last week, just a waste of fat. He doesn't do anything. But again, the GM has to always be right and say, "I'm gonna take, I'm gonna give him every opportunity to make him, make him, make me look good." And that's what Billy Epler was doing. Instead of doing what's the, for the benefit of the team, his ego got in the way and tried to make this move work out, which it clearly didn't. Buck giving in was again for that old school tough guy that Buck Showalter is supposed to be. That, oh, he's supposed to not give up shit. And I, you know, respect a little bit that fact that he didn't want to play that. You know, he wanted to play either Ventos or DJ Stewart, whoever whoever would have been, but not playing Daniel Vogelbach. You got to give him a little bit of credit, you know, more than maybe we gave him before. Because every time we saw the lineup card, we're like, what the hell's Buck doing? But the fact now it's not on Buck. Do what I still brought in the back? No. So am I still happy he's kind of gone? Yeah. But again, a little bit of heat now is off Buck from the fans, I would expect, especially off me. Again, I still can't talk about that bullpen decision and bullpen management, but that's a different discussion for another day. But again, it's just kind of the GM doing everything in his power to make himself look good instead of putting the team first. Yeah, I mean, uh, one, one of the big things for me is that, you know, while we were doing our podcast during the season and the Mets were really struggling, having an awful year, big disappointment. And, you know, we asked the question, who deserves the blame? You know, and, and, you know, there were a few different avenues that you could go. You could go owner, GM, manager, players. I'll tell you what, after hearing this story, some of the blame, like Andrew said, comes off of Buck and it goes to Billy Epler. And what I really hate is the stubbornness and, you know, just not admitting that you were wrong. So, like we said, you already made the bad move, you know, getting rid of Colin Holderman for Daniel Vogelback. And then he comes into the season not playing well. And, you know, we kept saying – and I, that's why we talked about him so much, Carson. And you're saying it feels like we talk about Vogelbach all the time. And that's why, because we're like, 
he's been so bad. How could he possibly still be in the lineup? Because it just didn't make any sense because there were better options. And that's what kept driving us crazy. Like, how is Buck still playing? How is Buck still playing him? And it's because Epler told him to. And that's really frustrating because it's like you don't let the manager do his job. So Billy Epler, I mean, he just kept letting like one wrong become worse and worse. And you have to think that to me, Daniel Volgoback is such a minor piece of the team to me because you think of what he's getting paid. The fact that Epler is telling Buck what to do with Vogelback, he can't be the only player that Epler was doing that with. It makes me believe that there were other things that were wrong with this team that Epler was saying, no, Buck, you have to do this. You have to do that. So what doesn't make sense to me is that Epler assembles this team, tells Buck who to play, the team plays like crap, and Epler says, I'm going to fire you. That doesn't make sense. Like, you know, you get what I'm saying? Like, he he's blaming other people for his mistakes. I don't get that. And it's like we said a hundred times, what has Epler done that deserved this? And keep in mind, I'm not the biggest fan of Buck Walter. I know you guys aren't the biggest fan of Buck Walter, but I have more respect for Buck Walter than I have for Billy Epler. I would let Buck Walter have more input on who is playing and not playing and all this other stuff than I would with Billy Epler. How do like I that's what I don't understand? How did Billy Epler get so much power? What did he do that makes it like he has to say? Like he is not that kind of GM that should be telling what the manager could do. He's just not that guy to me. So I really just don't understand it. And then that's why it's like, okay, well, are they gonna hire another person under Stearns? And if that's the case, and you have to hire another manager, and then once again, you ask the question, who's in charge here? Is it Stearns? Is it the guy Stearns hires? Is it the manager? Like, there's just so many different avenues that you can go with this that it just makes, like, a lot of the puzzling decisions that we talked about, a lot of the questionable things that were happening, it makes more sense now. Because it's Billy Epler telling Buck Showalter what to do. And it's like the fact that he just won't be like, you know what, I made a mistake. Let me move on. Like, what I don't get is that you accepted the mistakes with Verlander and Scherzer train the way. Be like, okay, those were bad signings. Let me trade those away and get some good young pieces. But you won't do the same for Vogelback. Like, I don't. I guess because the people, the fans, I guess they were so against Daniel Vogelback and so harsh on him, led by myself. I'll admit that you know that we were so hard that Epler is so determined to try to prove us wrong that he had made the right decision. Like, I mean, how could you be how could you be that spiteful being like, oh, I'm gonna prove these people wrong? Watch Danny Vogelback's gonna play well. Like, why would you ride or die with that guy? I mean, it's like it's like I've been telling you, he's been bounced from team to team for a reason. He's not that good. He's deceiving. He looks like he should be good, but he's not. A big guy like that should have big power. He does not. He is a waste of fat. He is a tease. He is a trick. So the fact that Epler was like, I, I got to make sure this is my ride or die. Why? I, I just don't <laughs> understand the just fascination with it and for having to lead to this. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me that you're like, you know what? Like, oh, this DH who absolutely sucks. This is the guy that I really got to make sure the manager always plays. It just doesn't make any sense because if Epler's trying to save his job, how about winning? That cures <laughs> all. But I mean, Daniel Volkenbeck could be even worse than he is now. But if you're winning, I really don't care. So it's like, let DJ Stewart play. If you want to keep your job, you want people to not hate you? I mean, admit when you're wrong. I gave him credit for getting rid of Scherzer and Verlander. 
But then when you do crap like this, I'm like, I mean, well, what are we doing here? So Epler, again, he just continues to just be very baffling. How he got the job in the first place is still a mystery to me because who would want this guy? Who in their right mind would want to hire Billy Epler after all the just absolute destruction he causes everywhere he goes? The Angels are terrible. The Mets are terrible. He had he does it. He misuses the IL. He tells the manager what to do and doesn't even tell him to do the right thing. He makes bad trades. I mean, he signs four year old players. Like, why would you even want Epler at this point? This guy is he just gets worse and worse by the day. Buck deserves somewhat of you know the heat taken off of him, but you know you also look at how the roster was constructed and guys who should be on this roster and guys who shouldn't be. I mean, Daniel Vogelbach, we all knew should not have been on this team all season. We all knew that he should have been DFA'd at some point. Now, the possible replacements, the other options that Buck Showalter was reportedly talking about, according to this source, which may be Buck Showalter, <laughs> but um, let's not forget, I mean, we all know the connection he has to DJ Stewart. He was one of the top uh, advocates for when he was drafted by the Orioles back in, what, 2015, 2016? And DJ Stewart comes in here, and he hits pretty well <laughs> doing the role of what Daniel Vogelbach was supposed to do. And you look at it and you're like, okay, maybe Buck is a little bit better of a general manager than Billy Epler here. Like, you look at some of these scenarios where maybe Buck had the right idea and Billy Epler did not. But then there was also some other connections that he had, like Tommy Hunter and some other pieces on this roster where you knew that there were probably some of Buck's guys, but you also see a lot of Billy Epler's guys being being uh, put in here. And to be honest, there was just no reason for Daniel Vogelbach to be here after the trade deadline. I mean, it just seems like, you know, Billy Epler, he tried to force in Vogelbach here like it's just some kind of narrative of his. Like he's some kind of Twitter guy on Twitter trying to push some like meaningless MLB narrative. You can go and troll all you want on Twitter, but if the team's not winning, who the fuck cares? Like nobody goddamn cares. If the team is the worst team in the, the business and somebody gets a three-hit game and, you know, you're happy for once about that, who cares? The team didn't win. The game, The team's not good. It's promising, but who the hell cares? We wanted to see the prospects play. And the fact that we had way too much of Daniel Vogelbach... I mean, I, I, I'm just hoping that, you know, we don't see him next year. I mean, we've already talked about how you just can't justify this guy being on the roster next year. But I'm also kind of worried because we all know that David Stearns was somebody who acquired. A, I'm not surprised. I really am not surprised. Uh, it didn't seem like Buck Showalter was involved in a lot of the decisions, especially at the trade deadline. Um, it didn't seem like he he knew or was aware of anything that went on uh, before the transactions were announced. And that's kind of the short end of the stick for Buck Showalter. But at the end of the day, uh, I still, you know, go, I, I still go with the notion that if you're going to win a World Series, you're not going to win it with Buck Showalter at the helm. You're not going to win it with, with Billy Epler. I, I guess, you know, Billy Epler just liked Daniel Vogelbach because he just has proved little to nothing in his career. And he can relate to that as a, as a general manager because I can't really see or justify this guy being on the roster at all. And the fact that he lasted 162 games this year uh, after 
how frustrating it has been to watch him play is just remarkable, especially with tons of top prospects in the higher levels that were ready to take the next step to the major leagues. Continuing with the Mets front office, out with the old and in with the new, the Mets now have two coveted front office positions to fill. Since David Stearns was announced to be brought in as the Mets' first ever president of baseball operations, his desire to bring in his own staff has remained true. As for the manager position, the top name mentioned has continued to be Craig Consul, the former 16-year journeyman player who has been the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers since 2015 and was inherited by Stearns when he was promoted as the Brewers president of baseball operations in 2019. Council's contract with Milwaukee has officially expired as the free agent manager is available to seek other managerial jobs coming next month. Although the speculation has grown that Council is Stern's number one recruiting choice, the Mets' new president of baseball operations has said that he has no one in mind and the Mets are going to cast a wide net, explaining that he looks to interview candidates who have managed and candidates who have not managed before. Other names that have been mentioned have included Astros bench coach Joe Espada, ex-Giants manager Gabe Kepler, Padres bench coach Jack Flaherty, Dodgers first base coach Clayton McCullough, and even current Mets bench coach Eric Chavez. As for the potential replacement of Billy Epler, Andy Martino reported that the Mets have yet to settle on a timeline for hiring a new general manager as they shift the current focus to fill the team managerial position before the winter meetings in December. Oh, the new manager position, doing this every goddamn year. I mean, th that's the way I, I feel. It's just the fact that we're constantly talking about this too. I mean, how many more times are we going to talk about, you know, get a manager, get a manager in here. And to me, it's like, uh, I'm not too crazy about Craig Council, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I think that uh, just because you have David Stearns doesn't necessarily mean that you need to have Craig Council. Uh, if Stearns and Council never made it work in Milwaukee, why would I have confidence that they would make it work here? You know what I mean? I, I just feel like, well, Milwaukee has done very well for themselves considering the budget that they operate with. That doesn't necessarily mean you need to copy every single thing that they do because they're, they're not that great. Like, they're not Tampa Bay. Like, they're you know, they're, they're not the best, you know, small market team. So I would say that for me, you just need to find the guy who is the best all-around fit. And again, I'm looking for someone long-term. Like even if there's a report that Joe Madden wants to interview, I don't care. It's not a long-term solution. We just did this with Buck Showalter. I want someone who is younger, who relates to the players much better, who was a player not too long ago, who understands the rule changes and things like that and tries to – use the utilize the youth more you know i mean we'll see if stearns is also of that mindset because it just felt like this past mets team was just so old and slow and boring and they just didn't mesh well with the up exciting teams that you see that have so many different things going on like the, the team it just it had a very old feel like i want to see the young guys play more i want to see vientos play more Marusio play more and see what you have in these young players and, and not stick with these old guys who just are not getting the job done. So I want to see them get a manager that kind of has that kind of mindset. Is Eric Chavez that guy? Maybe, you know, I mean, like he's younger. He's, he's known the players a little bit. Like I consider him, but I, I think all in all, 
you just kind of got to see what the other options are out there. I'm not, you know, oh my gosh, automatically get Craig Council. Uh, let's see what other managers may kind of free up once the postseason is over. Uh, because again, it's just like the postseason just started. So, I, I mean, there could be some other options that become available uh, before they end up making that decision. Because I think you got to find someone who is on the same page as the general manager. So you're not having these disputes of, oh, I want to play this guy. You want to play that guy. I mean, you, you got to have everyone kind of be in sync here. So I, I do want to see a, a, play, a manager who does have more of that newer mindset because it just felt like the game kind of passed the Mets by uh, th this past year, especially with all the rule changes. And they just looked like they were playing a different sport. Um, so for me, I, I, that's my main thing. I don't have any particular. I just really want to see someone much younger because I want to do long-term. I don't want to have a manager for three years. Then we got to get another one. I want them to find their guy to have for a long time because the Mets have gone through way too many managers, some of the GMs in a short amount of time. There needs to be a just symbiotic relationship for whoever from top down. So if, and the fact that Stearns made it clear that he would hire a first time manager makes me believe that he's going to be a first time manager. It's not going to be council. It's not going to be Madden. It ain't going to be one of these guys. Look kind of the playoff teams besides obviously the juggernauts. All these other new playoff teams, the Orioles, the Diamondbacks, they got fucking nobody that you've ever heard of be their manager. And can the Mets find their version of that? That's up to David Stearns to be. So I don't really care at this point. I just need to get one timeline with one just kind of goal. If it's like if we're going to be competing, competing, if we're playing the kids, we're playing the kids, one from the top down. Do I care if it's a guy who's got managerial experience or not? Just give me a guy who is willing to work with Stearns and just be on the same page. Because, again, tired of seeing these types of things where it's like, oh, this guy's fighting this guy. Like, we've, we've been there, done that. Just I'm tired of this. Well, one, we hired a really old guy with a young guy. Or we hired in the manager and GM's perspective. Just keep it all on the same page. Because managers don't do much anymore. It's just a yes man that a GM. Just give me a guy who just, okay. I'm not saying write the lineup card. Have some feel for the game. Yes, I don't want a freaking clone like Kevin Cash where it's all the numbers. I don't want that. But I want a guy who can look at the numbers and say, okay, look at that. But also, Jose Barrios, hey, my guy is going off right now. I know you want the lefty-lefty matchups. Let's wait a batter or two before that jumps to that conclusion. So, again, I don't want a full puppet, but I want a guy who can just, you know what? Stearns and I have a, have a common goal. Let's get to that common goal. Yeah, I've I've talked about this already. I, no more old people. Um, old people need to be gone from this organization. I, I've I've had enough. I personally believe that if the roster is as good as it is and it's 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 deep from top to bottom, the managerial position does not really matter as much because you have tons of options. You're obviously listening to the analytics department above you. All I need is a manager that's just adaptive. That's literally it, and they're not the 20th century. I need somebody who is able to pivot, who's able to make the moves necessary, go with a more adaptive approach in the dugout. I don't want to see any more managers who are like, I like this guy against lefties. I like this guy against righties. I think that, you know, we're, we're going to bunt here. We don't bunt anymore. We don't do that. This is 2023. I, I need to see a manager put their best starter in for game one. I need somebody, to, the manager, to put their best reliever in when they need a strikeout from their reliever. So that obviously comes from more roster construction, but 
for what the Mets have and for what the Mets could possibly gain from Stern's player development, I just want to see these players be utilized the way that they should be. And obviously, the Mets need to bring up that pool of talent, of course, but I need to see some fluidity between the general manager and the manager. Um, and, and obviously, it's just at this point, the front office, you ju I just need to see everyone on the same page. And that may sound a lot more simple than you think. It's a lot harder to come by, especially which ha with how the Mets have been recently. Andrew, do you have anybody that you would prefer to be the manager, your number one guy? Again, for autographs-wise, Beltran. That's the best option for autograph-wise. And that's, again, he's in the front office already. So, I mean, and he get was hired. He's undefeated as a manager. But I, I don't care. Like, if it's, I mean, if it's council, cool. If it's a spotter, I wanted a spotter instead of Buck two years ago, so I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind a bilingual guy, too, which, again, was a Puerto Rican star, and he's all pissed off. Oh, you fired Buck. Bringing a Puerto Rican to make him kind of like, that might not get your pleasing one player even though he wanted Espada anyway so yeah I mean, exactly so, I'm not totally against Beltran either I mean like I, said, I, I think they they do need again someone younger someone who played the game bilingual I mean I, you know I, I think Beltran he's more of the kind of guy below for said you know this older guy I, I think you know but I, I I'm more of also the belief that you know just because I was using the example I hate to pick on the guy but don't bring in Sean Gilmart against Bryce Harper you know what I mean? Like, just use your best pitcher against the, the other team's best player. The lefty-right thing should not matter because if I threw left-handed, does that mean that you should use me instead of using, you know, Bryce Montes de Oca? Like, no. Uh, you have to actually, you know, use your best players instead of just guys because they're lefty, because they're righty. I, I've always find that to be just the dumbest thing that a lot of managers get very, very hung up on nowadays. Yeah, and they tried to get rid of that, obviously, with the three-batter minimum rule thing, but it just still seems like a a, a whole ridiculous... I, I don't care. Just give me the best hitters. Give me the best pitchers. Like, I don't yep. fucking care if they throw with one hand or the other or they jack off with another hand. I don't care. Just put them in the damn lineup if they're good and they have the best position to succeed. I mean, Joe Espada would be great, in my opinion. I think that he's done a pretty good job with, with the Astros, obviously. It seems like a lot of players respect him. Beltron, I feel like I, I would be open to it. I, it's not my first choice, again, obviously, but... I would be open to it because it seems like there is a lot of guys in that Mets clubhouse respect, uh, specifically, especially one of the leaders in Francisco Lindor who really respects him a lot. And listen, I'm not against Carlos Beltran, but uh, I think that at one point, I, I just don't like things to be a distraction. And we know yeah, that we well, have no, a... That's, that's, that's fair. <laughs> but with a we have this case with... With a spot come from the Astros organization, I mean, I feel like you can make that criticism with, with anybody. You know, Was, I mean, was he with them when they yeah, were well, cheating? Yeah, he I thought that was Alex Cora. Wasn't he the bench coach? Well, Cora was part of... But I think the spot was still on the staff. He's been with the Astros for a while. Yeah, he, he was the first base. He was first yeah. base in the bench coach, some shit like that. He was, he was, he was, on, like he was in the tree. I guess so. He was in the tree. I guess, I, I guess ma mainly because it's and again, like it's I mean, Cora's done so face. well that it, it doesn't really bother me. Again, like if if you're gonna win games, then 
go for it. Mm. I mean, but we have seen what Detroit did with AJ Hinch. So I yeah, mean, no, that's, that's true. Yeah. I do have two random names that I don't think are going to get the lighter. Day. I think Wally one of Backman waiting. is not an option. Please stop. No, I'm not. No, I'm not saying Wally Backman. But one guy is waiting for a certain guy to get fired in St. Louis. The Puerto Rican coaching staff, meaning Yadier Molina, Carlos Delgado. Both guys have been coaching in Puerto Rico right now. Again, I think Molina is waiting for what's it called to get fired because he sucks. Mm-hmm. But you know, everyone's given the Beltron love. Delgado has been hitting coach has been coaching in Puerto Rico. He's on the WBC team this year. He has at least he has coaching experience. Unlike Beltron, yeah. I, I, I would be totally for you. I'm just throwing. I, I think... I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, players you know. make good managers. I mean, that's kind of one of those old sayings. And Yadi was a guy who had much more baseball IQ than most players. I mean, he was always known for that. And he would, I feel, like connect really well with a lot of the guys in the dugout in the clubhouse. No nonsense kind of guy. I mean, I, I I'd be all for it. I mean, if he were available, I, I'd be willing to give him a shot. I mean, Delgado is also a relationship that kind of needs to be repaired with the Mets, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah. And and for some yeah. reason, it hasn't been. And I don't know if it's going to be bringing him on as a manager or you know they bring him in. But was he at Old Timers Day? I don't even remember. I don't think yeah. he was there. Was he? he? No, I don't think he was. I thought I he was. Check the tape. Post that. There is a few players. There is a few players that have not been involved in a lot of things with the Mets ever since they left. And you know, Delgado is one of those guys. I'm not saying that's the reason why you need to hire him as a manager. But, yeah. you know, if it's a guy who does know the organization, obviously the organization has changed a lot since he was yeah. here. Oh. But all I can say is that, you know, if you want a former player, I mean, you, you could you could look there. Um, you know, I know everybody's been talking about David Wright forever, but that's never going to happen. Um, I, I saw I saw some stuff about Daniel Murphy being a hitting coach. No, thank you. You know, obviously we'll have that connection to that. And um, I am taking the Vegas odds of plus 10,000 for Keith Hernandez to be the next <laughs> oh, manager of the Mets. I, I, I can't believe he was actually I mean, on there. That was hilarious. Hey, Wally's a free agent, though. But you brought him up. The Ducks let him go. Yeah. I mean, he's probably drinking and driving again. But, I you think, know, hey. I think... He probably he probably is, but I, I think at this point he just needs to retire <laughs> yeah, at this point. I, yeah. I I mean I would I would I love Wally. I think he's awesome, but you gotta aim younger in this situation. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if I wouldn't mind um, as a bench coach, like just involved in the organization, but not no, no, here you go. He, 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 no, here's yeah. the perfect way to get this locker room set up. Wally is the manager, Dykstra okay. is bench coach. Oh god, oh, yeah. God. Go. Yeah, that ain't happening. He's not allowed on the premises. That ain't happening. <laughs> Paul Duca as the Hitting Paul Aduka as a manager would be the anti Rojas. I can just say. Let the, let me <laughs> just say. Again, that. I'm not against um, it either. Another kind. We all know he still has the fire for that. So, and as for Eric Chavez, I mean, obviously it's somebody that you could consider. And there's a lot of people in the industry that believes that he is a future manager. That was the main reason why they brought him to being a bench coach. To be honest, I think that he goes as well. I think that like next, like either whether it's this year or next year, he gets a job to manage some team. Okay. I don't know if it's going to be, yeah. you know, a, a team that just fired a manager or, you know, they're just looking to move on from somebody, you know, Angels, yeah. White Sox. I mean, whatever team it is out there that just fired somebody and is looking for someone who could go through the system. I do think that Eric Chavez, eventually he will be leaving this organization to manage some other team. I do believe that. Would he be my style of manager after what I saw as the hitting coach that is as his hitting coach, which was the most unsustainable piece of shit I've ever seen? No, but um, I think that at one point he is going to get a job somewhere else. If it, if it is here, doesn't seem like he's a Stearns guy and Stearns wants to bring in his own guy. 
I think it's going to be a lot more external than internal. I think the Mets have had enough internal blunders for them to not go outside of the organization and bring somebody in as the manager. So speaking of hires, Pete Alonso's future with the Mets has continued to be uncertain. And as for right now, the pressure has escalated. The Mets star slugging first baseman has officially hired baseball's market high roller, Scott Boris, as his agent. The 28-year-old Alonso is set to become a free agent after the 2024 season, entering his sixth major league year this April. Although reports have consistently been mixed, the Mets have reportedly discussed the possibility of a contract extension recently. Both sides apparently are somewhat very close on average annual value, but significantly far apart on contract term. Alonzo's chance of testing free agency is now very likely with Scott Boris in the equation, raising the uncertainty to the next level. Last offseason, the Mets faced a very similar situation with homegrown outfielder Brandon Nimmo, who ended up returning to the Mets on an eight-year, $162 million deal. This time, Boris is representing one of the most prolific power bats in all of baseball who since his debut in 2019 leads the entirety of major league baseball in home runs and runs batted in yeah i'm not surprised uh again we saw the nemo same thing i think nemo was with caa and then oh year before i'm gonna be a free agent let me go hire boris and then look what happened imagine telling yourself three years ago brandon nemo got the, got 162 million dollars for eight seasons Pete alonzo's doing the same thing the first base market is not the center field market. It's not the shortstop market. But God, this again. I hate, we all knew he was testing because if they they prioritize Jeff McNeil and say, oh, they got the deal. You know, there was reports that they weren't close when they got McNeil done. As soon as you got to this year, you knew he wasn't going to sign an extension because guess what? Even if he didn't sign with Boris, why am I going to kill my negotiation power with one team? If I'm already this close, why would I sign an extension unless they give me some stupid offer, which the Mets. Rightfully so, haven't given them. The AAV might be the same, but they're not, they don't want to be stuck eight years with a first base. Could this be Nemo 2.0? Possibly. But this is the type of situation where 162 at Brandon Nemo, okay. If he gets 250 from some, because there will be, again, we're already hearing, oh, the Cubs love him. You know, that's already one team. Who else, you know, let's say San Diego. If there's all it takes, and you saw it with Jacob DeGrom, it takes one stupid team to throw a stupid offer at him, and he's gone. So, and the Mets did the right thing with Jacob DeGrom. Um, again, we'll we'll see if that offer comes to Pete Alonzo. But again, it takes, once the, we get to free agency, the Colorado Rockies could go, hey, you know what, Pete, here's $300 million. Because that's what the Colorado Rockies do. And then the, you're not doing that if you're the Mets. You'd be an idiot to do that. It's because that's a stupid offer that he can't refuse, and you shouldn't match, and he's gone. So does this higher the chances of them at least exploring the trade, I think that raises that opportunity and should because you can't let this kind of asset walk for a draft pick. We've made fun of the Angels how often this year. You can't lose Shohei Otani for a draft pick. If he's giving you every implication of testing the market, you need to do what's best for your future of the team and say, okay, you want to sign with Boris? Cool. We're going to let him and make sure you let him know ahead of time. We're going to explore. Because we need to do what's best for the team. We'd love to have you on the team for the future. We'd love that. But if you're giving me every explanation of you're going to test, and if there's a team that comes out of nowhere, we have to do what's best for our team in the New York Mets and say, hey, if we get an offer we can't refuse on the trade market for you of one year of team control, we need to do what's best for us. So Stearns has said he'll be here next year. 
We've made that point. I've said it a thousand times. GMs lie. Yeah, I think the thing that's most frustrating is it totally wipes out the chance of an extension this offseason. Uh, that's the thing that I'm most frustrated about because I've been on the record for years and years and years saying that the Mets should have extended Pete Alonso, uh, especially when the Braves were extending their young guys for ridiculous deals. I mean, the AV that they got on Acuna and Albies was unheard of, and I thought the Mets should have done the same exact thing with Pete Alonso at the same time. Um, so that will always, I think, always come back to haunt them a little bit because while he could still stay uh, because of what happened with Brennan Nemo and because I, I do think that the Mets do keep Alonzo as a high priority in the offseason next year in those negotiations, you're just going to be paying a lot more for him than you really should have, which is going to hurt your overall team because, like, okay, that's a few extra dollars we've had for some pitching, for some outfielders, for some depth, all those things that we talk about every single year that the Mets could really use and not having such a top-heavy roster because of the big-time contracts that you're giving out to the Scherzer, to the Verlander, to the Lindor. I think that they're going to find themselves in that situation with how much it is going to cost to retain Pete Alonzo. Uh, like Andrew said, the chance of trade goes up a little bit. Uh, I still am not in favor of trades, especially for with the Chicago Cubs. I mean, what do the Cubs have that the Mets would want that would make them that would make giving up Pete Alonso worth it? I don't see anything. So uh, th that's why to me it's that uh, the deal has to be uh, beyond crazy good for the Mets now and for the future for me to even consider because right now my priority is, okay, let's see what P. Alonso does this year. You know, you're not going to extend them with Boris here uh, and just try to build your team. I mean, hopefully you have some other power bats that could step up. So you don't have to rely on P. Alonso so heavily uh, because it's like we talked about if Alonso was gone, who was good? Where's the power going to come from on this team? So uh, that's, I think there's a good opportunity for the Mets to work on getting those secondary power sources uh, because now P. Alonso does become more of an uncertainty with Boris uh, as his agent. We knew that if this were to continue to drag out, he was going to hire him. We knew that was going to happen, especially when he got a front row seat to what happened with Brandon Nimmo last, last offseason, one of his good buddies who ended up staying. The small list of players that have signed long-term extensions for hitting free agency. There's Jose Altuve, there's Xander Bogarts, Carlos Gonzalez, Carlos Gomez, and then Steven Strasburg. When I look at that during the time that all those players were free agents, it's kind of the same tier as Pete Alonso, right? So there's a possibility that I think an extension could get done. Do I think it will? No. I think that he is going to get go to free agency because every Boris client goes to free agency. Um, but when you look at it from the tier of player, he's not a Juan Soto who's a Boris client. He's not, you know, he's not one of these generational superstar players who are, who are top 10 in the league or whatever. He is in that tier of guys who have signed long-term extensions with their teams before hitting free agency. So I think that there is a possibility, but I don't think that is going to happen. When I did see that they, when he eventually hired Boris, which was something that I was obviously anticipating, it officially made it that the Mets fucked up. They fucked up. They should have paid him a lot earlier in his career than they already did. And we all know that there has been some disputes with him in arbitration recently. And, you know, I feel like you have a contract year for Pete Alonso. This year, he's going to make you pay. 
he is going to make you pay a lot more than you expected to pay. I know a lot of people have, you know, talked about eight years, 200 million as their as their limit. Well, what if Pete Alonso, you get him some power protection whatsoever, and this guy hits you 65 home runs? I mean, it's possible that it could happen if he get more pitches in the in the strike zone. You know that a lot of them are going to go over the fence. For what he has been able to do without all of those luxuries of power protection and pitches in the zone, I mean, the sky is the limit if you give this guy power protection. Maybe they should have done that for the last five years. That's a different discussion. But at this point, I'm really scared to see what happens next. Not really just if I'm afraid of losing Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso is going to try and force your hand. There is a strong possibility that he has a judge type of contract year where he's hitting 62 home runs. There's a possibility that can happen. We know he's capable of doing that. If he's fully healthy, he's on the field more than Aaron Judge is. So we all know that there is a possibility of that consistency of him breaking out to another level of a power hitter. We know that is possible, especially in the prime of his career. He's 28, 29. You know, he doesn't seem to be slowing down whatsoever. So, you know, the ball is in, obviously, the Mets court right now. What are they going to do? That he is putting pressure on the Mets, saying that you need me more than I need you. And that's true. To the viewers, for those of you who want to ask us a question, make sure to click the link in the description, fill out your name, your Mets-related question, and it could be featured on the next episode of the Mets Weekly Podcast. All right, well, I, I guess this is the best question that you can possibly ask going into the offseason. And the name is Wedlock Wilpon. I fucking love that. Number one Mets free agency target that is not Shohei Otani. So, you know, I'm going to stay in the Japanese market because the number one target for the Mets is Yamamoto. He should be the number one target because guess what? He throws with his right hand. Shohei does a pitch. Next year, the Mets, we'll see where their plan is. He's also 25. He's not 40. So I know it's different for the Mets to try to get a free agent who's 25 years old and if they are not trying to fully go for the World Series the next two years, when the time he's hit this prime, should be when the Mets are back competing for World Championships. And if this all goes well and the kids continue to develop, whatever. But again, the Mets' desperate need for pitching, that's the number one priority. That should be the number one targets. If Take your pick of the pitchers, but the fact that getting a 25-year-old flamethrower who you can pair with Senga and have a top-flight 1-2 and then the rest of your offseason can be building the depth of the rotation. That should be, and again, it's going to be expensive, but for me, it's Yamamoto, and it's not even close. I mean, uh, to change it up a little bit, I, I want to go with a position that the Mets are going to need uh, for a lot of years, especially with what's been going on. And I'm looking at my guy, Teoscar Hernandez. I have him very high on the priority list, and the main reason is because I am very scared with what's going to happen with Starling Marte. I think that if Marte cannot be on the field and cannot be productive, the Mets going to need to fill two corner outfield spots. So at least you could fill one with Teoscar Hernandez. And if somehow some miracle Marte is healthy and playing well again, well, now you got both of your corners solved. Because even if Marte was healthy, you still need that other corner to help anyway. So I think with Teoscar Hernandez, the Mets have two openings in the corner outfield right now. At least he's one of them. He is a consistent 25 to 30 home run power bat, which the Mets, I mean, outside of Lindor and Alonzo, maybe Nemo now, we'll see, don't really have in this lineup. Um, so I think that having a guy like Tasker who also has some speed on him as well, that I always think is very uh, extra nice part about just not, just not just a 30 home run hitter, another guy that has a little bit of speed too, I think he'd be a really nice fit on this Mets team. 
Uh, so I think he's a guy that, you know, 31, he's not too old, but he's not, you know, totally young. Uh, I think he'd be a really nice fit for this team. And they're going to need corner outfielders year after year after year because once now they have these guys come from the Astros, will help them out a little bit. Uh, but when you look at overall in their farm system, not too much going on in the outfield department. So I really would like to see Tay Oscar on this team. All right. I'm going to repeat myself for the fourth time in about four years, five years. Jock Peterson. I need to put this man in a Mets uniform at some point. 31 years old. It seems like he doesn't like to be out in the East Coast. But if money talks, money can talk with the Mets. So I would definitely do that. 30 home run bat that is when he is healthy, he can provide it to you. And he also can play the outfield. He's not Daniel Vogelbach who doesn't own a glove whatsoever aside from Shohei Otani it is a little bit weak towards the end of the free agent market if I were talking about pitching I know we've already talked about Blake Snell that's a strong possibility James Paxton was fantastic but he's a little bit too old what about what your guy Matt Chapman I don't can't know. Tr- can't, I don't can't know. rely on Beatty you can't not rely as, on Beatty, no obviously. no, that dude no that, I, got, I got the wrong third baseman Evan Longoria that man shows up in the playoffs Matt Chapman can't do shit in the playoffs Longo gets better in the playoffs. How old do you want to make this team? Matt Chapman was choking the playoffs. Longo, yeah, that's something that I really hits. want to hear from a Mets fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in who they're going to get rid of and yeah, no, who they're going to add at this point because there's way too many pieces on this team that should not be here next year. So now, since that it is the off season, that gives us a chance to expand the podcast a little bit and fill in some other segments. Today, we are going to be doing something called an all-time Mets draft. Now, for those of you who follow us on TikTok, earlier this year, we did something like this before over there. Andrew and I would draft a all-time Mets team based on a corresponding letter, counting both first and last names. Since there are three of us, we're going to be using two letters to obviously widen the selection. We're going to have 14 rounds, drafting 14 players each, including an infield, three outfielders, a DH, and five pitchers. At the end, we'll add up the career wins above replacement for each team to figure out the winner. Now, over on our TikTok series, we decided to do with full career wins above replacement. This time, we're only going to use wins above replacement only for their Mets career. I had to do this because before this motherfucker over here would draft guys like Bobby Abreu, who did nothing (laughs) as a Met, but had a great career aside from the draft being just Mets-centric. So your mind games are done. So um, the draft order is going to be selected by this wheel of different categories let's just spin it right now real quick okay let's see where we go here okay oh let's go all right right. frank being a midget is gonna work out in his favor here so okay so frank gets the first pick andrew how tall are you i don't even know I'm six foot, about 5'11", six foot, shoes. 5'11", six foot. All right, well, I am exactly six foot one, so I guess I'm I'm picking last. The two letters that we are using for this draft are F and T. So first and last names both count. They don't need to be both F and T. They can just be F or T. So, Frank, you have the first pick. It's all yours, F and T. All righty, so... I got to take a guy who, his, with his nickname, he's got two T's. Give me Tom Terrific, T. 
Tom Seaver. Apparently, okay. Seaver starts with a T now. All right. The T and um, Tom, fool. I could totally just troll and just dick around, but I'll try to make this somewhat serious. Or do you want me to for entertainment guys? Pick uh, someone, Andrew. Ah, hold up. God, I'm not. You're I'm on the else. clock. You know what? No, I'll go sit Fernandez. You know what? Oh, that's, that's a good one. My first pick, I'm going to take the newest member of the Mets 3030 Club, Francisco Lindor. War merchant. War merchants, man. Yeah, that's a fucking war merchant. All right, back to Frank. Alrighty, uh, give me uh, Frank has got to take a Frank who's an all star. How about Frank Viola? But I, I guess I'm, am I up? And I'm just gonna go continuing the left-handed pitching. Look at John Franco. John yeah. Franco, that's a reliever. Yeah, we played a shit. Relievers don't mean was, anything. They don't, but you know. All right, I'm going to go to my outfield now. Let's go okay. with Tommy Ag. Mm. Okay, I like that. That's a nice one. That's a nice one. God, there are so many memeable players that I want to do so bad. <laughs> God, there's so many memes I can do. It's uh, let me get a guy. I hope that walk-offs count for war. I need to work on my infield. Let me take a Wilmer Flores. Does he have decent war? I don't even know. <laughs> this man just picking with his arm. Making me look this shit up. <laughs> okay. All right, now I'm going to go back to doing what, what I did best, and that is positional fucking you guys. Have fun going through this graveyard. I will take, at the time, the single-season home run king for the Mets. I'll go Todd Hundley. I was looking Todd Hundley, that's, a, that's really good. Okay. Have fun with that catcher uh, graveyard, Hundley. boys. <laughs> Let's go with Cliff Floyd. Let's bulk up the outfield okay. even more. I picked him a shit ton of those drafts. Good guy. Cliff Floyd. Where do I want to go next? All right, this is a weird one. Let's head over to the alpha because I haven't touched it yet. Let's take a guy who was MVP, but not with the Mets, George Foster. Uh, that's Ew. probably not <laughs> gross. I mean, what's this? <laughs> again, this is Mets career. You don't got the. Uh... I think he's like five. He had like one <laughs> decent right. season. Okay. Wasn't here long. At this point now, I'm starting to troll. So I'm going to go with my third base. The best thing this dude ever oh, did no. was nutting his wife. Give me Fernando Tatis Sr. Third base. Give me to him. He's from Tom's River, New Jersey. Hey, Todd Frazier. Chad Frazier. That was my pick. He had the T and the Fucking F. So God, this is get. This is this does not have much depth to it. Jeez. Yeah, this, oh, this yeah, is yeah. tough. I mean, we're really scraping uh, the bottom. The bottom. Oh, I don't know who I want to pick here. This really stinks. I mean, again, the options are just so freaking limited. I feel like I'm gonna regret this, but again, I don't really have too many other options so i am going to go to the outfield and i am going to take frenchy jeff francoeur so this will be the second time in todd hunley's career his ass is going to move to the outfield because we got a better catcher oh god playing every day behind the plate for this team will be taylor teagarden <laughs> oh my god you're the oh, absolute worst. Yo, oh, you think I could get? Oh, you think this is bad? I got a fucking, I got a full rifle of me. All right, I don't have any pitching. Um, and I guess we're starting off with a bullpen game. Let's go with Tug McGraw. Even though Tug is not his legal name, we're still gonna count it, I guess. Uh, let me go with, with a pitcher. I mean, we're, we're gonna since this is a long episode. Let me give you a pitcher that takes a long time to pitch. How about the old Steve Traskel? Oh God. In the rotation. Oh. 
All right, so I'm, I'm going to grab my center fielder here. There's a lot of great options here, some <laughs> great players. But I got to go again, another one of the – if you watch the TikTok drafts, another legend of the drafts. Give me my man, the minor league home run champ himself, Travis Tyrone. Fuck you. <laughs> Where are you putting him, first base? No, he's playing center field. <laughs> Fuck me. There's no way I have to do this. Oh, no. Please tell me there's somebody else. Uh, all right. Second pitcher, Taiwan Walker. Ah, it's an all-star. You took That's a good pick. My next selection will be the catcher position. Uh, I, I think about him about too much and dream about too much, and I have on my team. Let me have Francisco Alvarez, pretty please. Oh, I thought you were going to take Josh Tolley. It does work. That's a two and a half win season, so that would probably... I'm going to need another reliever here, but another solid elite reliever. Had some great seasons with the Tampa Bay Rays. Give me Kyle Farnsworth. Okay. Old fella. Got to the Mets way too late (laughs) in his career. Kyle Farnsworth, where the fuck are you pulling these from? Okay. <laughs> oh, I I got a big old barrel and I'm underneath the scrape. I'm in the fucking flat. Catch your position. Take him. Come on. You know you want to. <laughs> the one that got away, Travis Darno. Oh, that's not who you, you you left an obvious guy on the board. I'm cool. not taking the full, okay? <laughs> not happening. Frank, when okay. you're up. All right, I am up. Okay. Uh, as an old man, I got to take the old man himself at my DH position. I'm going to take Julio Franco. <laughs> God. <laughs> man, that's, that's Jesus Christ. 42 years old when he was at the Nuts? It's still swinging, though. I mean. <laughs> and he peed on his hands to hit, bro. He said he used to stick him. Gotta love it. Oh, my God. So, Moises is uh, gonna... fucking 40 years old. Jeez. Yeah. All right. Here we go. We got another. Got my DH. And Mets fans are going to hate me because this man's going to have to spell it out. But he had a good year for the Mets. He should have about like a seven-war season with the Mets. Let's go with my man Frank Catalanato, Long Island resident. Mm. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? DH. No. He's, he's, he's a pure. He's a pure hitter. He's my DH. He oh, he's an outfielder. He'll pull my DH. I guess this this is my only option. Whatever. I guess my team will have the Todd zeal of approval. Oh jeez. Oh boy. Sorry, I I just I'm sure you're a nice guy, Todd, but I would have had would have preferred pretty much anyone else. So I think I'm going to be taking a gentleman who has been a coach on the Mets in recent memory. Would I be able to classify Double T Tim Tuffle as a shortstop? You can. Or, I mean, or can, can I put him in any position? Move Flores over, you know, World Series starting shortstop. So if yeah, I have to I mean, move Flores to short and put Tuffle at second, then so be it. I think I need some more deadly arms out of my pen. So I think I'm going to go with uh, Wilmer Font. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that we were going to be just digging up fucking wounds for this one. Jesus Christ. To. You got me involved. You don't think in hell. These some shitty letters. Oh so that's all it's going to be. All right. I don't know who he is. <laughs> but you know what? Great start. It's 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 a cheap it's a cheap move. So I'm gonna go with someone named Jack Fisher. I have no idea who Jack Fisher is, but he played for the Mets, and he'll give me somewhat of a war advantage. So that's where I'm yeah, at. Okay, I'm going to finish up my outfielder, 
and get a guy who has the name of a Hall of Famer but is not a Hall of Famer, as I will take Frank Thomas, the white one. Okay, the white one. <laughs> the one that doesn't like seasoning on his food, that one. <laughs> I think I need I, I gotta start, so we're gonna bring it up, bring the moods back up. So I think I'm gonna go with my second baseman. This is a Mets legend if I've ever heard of one. We all love this man. This man played for the organization for 25 years, it seemed like. Go with my second baseman, Wilfredo Tovar. You're the worst. I hate you <laughs> so goddamn much. Okay, my outfield is is gonna be very it's it's gonna be weak, but you know what? I'm fine with it. Let's go with Timo Perez. Ooh, so you don't know how to run bases. This is ridiculous. You know, I, I have a, a change of plan. So I'm going to – this guy played first base in the WBC, had a really good batting average as a Met, Puerto Rican TJ Rivera. Okay. That's okay. – all right. <laughs> it's like uh, – um. Okay, Tommy John surgery, and then never returned, like ever. All right, so I think I need to finish out my outfield like you guys, and I'm going to go with a World Series champion, a two-time World Series champion, like a Willie Mays Award winner. I'm going to go with my man Andres Torres to play center field, please. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right, Jerry's Familia, welcome to the team. I tried to avoid it so many goddamn times, but you know what? Go ahead. All right, so I don't know if this guy played third base as a Met, but he did play third base in his career, I know for sure. Um, let's get really, really weird here at third base. Joe Torrey, Hall of Famer. We love our Hall of Famers. So, he was on my board. Torrey. So Nice. Great pick. <laughs> I, I need to fill out my bullpen. I've got two nasty righties. I got one left. I need another lefty. I need the human bobblehead himself. Oh, no. Give me Alex one. Torres, baby. I need another lefty in the bullpen. <laughs> Insert picture here. That beautiful fucking hat. <laughs> my designated hitter talks some shit, and he completely deserved to do so. Oh, Let's no. go with Tommy oh, Pham. Thomas Fam, welcome. I need some edge to the team. Yeah, I'm going to go with a guy who caused me way too much pain as a Met fan. But another Hall of Famer, Tom Glavin. <laughs> I'm glad he stayed on here for a while. Okay, I'm, I'm glad. You need a first baseman and a shortstop, Andrew. Tread lightly. Yeah, and I think I'm going to break the, cause I'm gonna break some glass like this guy breaks his legs. I'll take Ruben Todd at shortstop. <sighs> okay, that's, that's very insensitive. All right, well... Great career somewhere else before the Mets let him loose. Let's go with Justin Turner as the oh. second baseman. God, what could have been? Um, My last player, one of the most disappointing free agent signings that I remember, at least for me, because I had very high expectations. You're going to have to be more specific. I am going with Francisco Rodriguez. Okay. Yeah, quite a punch to the gut. Okay. <laughs> my team is pain. Oh. All pain. Oh, what are you talking about? Because I got to actually make an adjust. I would like to move Frank Candelanato to first base. Give me Joe Nashui Vargas. <laughs> okay. But Todd Hundley at DH, if you're going to put Vargas out there, all that speed. No, no, no. Uh, Hundley's got to be in the outfield. Hey, dude, nobody took Feliciano. Just take him. 
just take yeah. him. He's hitting there. I guess pick. I will. Okay, that's a little bit anticlimactic, but all right. Pedro Feliciano. All right. So now that the draft is over, we will have the fan graphs wins above replacement on the screen. We have no idea who won, um, but you guys will know for those of you who are watching on Premiere. Um, that's why we need to have a fan vote. I think the fans should be voting for the winner. I mean, we, we we could have a fan vote. For those of you who are watching, let us know which team you would take in Game 7 of the World Series. Uh, I think any team with Taiwan Walker is an automatic win. Moving on to your rapid-fire stories. The Mets were credited with a win following a suspended game versus the Marlins on September 28th. The Mets have officially finished the season with a record of 75 and 87 and fourth in the National League East. After sitting out the last few games of the season with a shoulder injury, Brandon Nimmo's MRI showed no rotator cuff damage described as a minor injury that is expected to not affect him in 2024. Mark Tremuda is leaving the Mets organization to join the Blue Jays as their special assistant to player personnel. Tremuda has been with the Mets since 2012 and was the director of amateur scouting for six years. Mets prospects Jet Williams and Tyler Stewart have been named to Baseball America's All Prospects second team. The 19-year-old Williams posted an 876 OPS spread across three levels of the Mets minor league system this season. The former sixth-round pick in 2022, Tyler Stewart, broke out completely this season, posting a 2.20 earned run average across High A Brooklyn and Double A Binghamton. Former Mets pitcher Tyler Clippard has retired from baseball. Clippard was the keynote piece to the Mets bullpen during their 2015 World Series run, carrying his 16-year-long major league career. Parting words for episode number 28, J.D. Davis, Daniel Murphy, um, Darren Ruff. Had to put that one in there. I mean, how about no drama? How about good things? Let's talk about some positive things. You know, no, this guy didn't like that guy. This guy's fired. This guy's resigned. Let's have some happy news. Let, let's hear some good things because I, I tell you what, after how rough this year was, uh, we need a fresh start next year. So I, I really want to hear some good news uh, coming up, like Yoshi Yamamoto headed to the Mets or something. You know, I mean, that's the kind of things that I want to talk about because – uh, we, we need to start seeing some wins. And again, that consistent winning that has eluded us the entire franchise history. We want to become a consistent winner. So uh, I'm just looking for good news. That, that's really all it comes down to. Go Snakes. Go, mm -hmm. go get yourself a good cheeseburger. Go, go Snakes all the way to the World Series. Clayton Kershaw still sucks. And again, shocker. This guy, this guy next to me is like, oh, Clayton Kershaw's not bad in the playoffs. It's all just a narrative. He never said he was good. No, you said, oh, that's a whole I never said he was news. good. I just said he wasn't. Oh. Was fake news. You said he was fake news. He got unlucky. Yeah, no. Yeah. Trash. Yeah. Didn't get unlucky get last trash. night. <laughs> he got buck buck. Yeah. Go, go snake. Yeah, I'd love to see Madison Bumgarner take the mound right now. I'm tired of it. I'm really tired of this trend every single two years, hiring a new GM, hiring a new manager. I just want some consistency. I feel like, you know, you finally bring in your first president of baseball operations in David Stearns, who was... One of the first choices that I would have taken for the first time ever. Let's make smart hires. Let's hire someone who's right for the job and is not the sixth or seventh or eighth choice in the book. 
It's good to be back for the Mets Weekly Podcast every single week. There's episode 28. We'll see you guys in episode 29. Thank you guys so much for watching. If you're watching on Premiere, thank you guys for those of you who are watching on Rewind. For those of you who are listening on any of our listening platforms, thank you guys so much. We'll see you guys next week. Let's go, Mets. On to the offseason we go. Peace out. Peace out.